I ain't settled yet. So uh, I just been I just been struggling. I really have. But uh, when I was just a young preacher, I was in the back room with Nolan Ford. He led me to Christ. And when I was 18, I was preaching, and I was back with Brother Nolan, and we were in the little room before you come out, and, and he said, Brother Ted, what, what you going to preach on tonight? And I said, well, I can't decide. I've, I, I've got two sermons. And he said, well, bless God, it's 7.15. Pick one. We got to go. <laughs> and I said, well, all right, I'll pick one. And so we'll, we'll go. You know but, but you just want to know that you got a word from heaven, just like you don't know what to sing every time and what the word is. But uh, tonight, I, I just, I didn't know who's going to be here, never do. And that's why I like to stand out in the front and watch people come in, greet folks, and just kind of get a, because every crowd's different. Every night's different. Every need is different. And we cannot live tonight on what God did last night. That, that's gone. But there's a need in this room, uh, this very night. And so I, I want us to look into the Word of God in 1 Corinthians. And I want you to take your Bible and let's go there to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and we'll begin reading in just a moment down in verse 14. Uh, I uh, had a good, good morning. I got up early today and drove to the mountain. And for me, that's North Alabama. And visited with my folks a while uh, this morning. My daddy's... Uh, having a pacemaker replaced on Friday. And so before I left, I put my arm around my mama and my daddy and prayed for them. We had a great time and just uh, trust the Lord there. And dad's out working in the garden. We had a, had a good, good morning together. And so I'd ask you to pray for him. I love him with all my heart. Uh, I remember a lady came to me one time and she said, Pastor, pray for my husband. I said, he's got a heart problem. They're putting a pacemaker in. <laughs> And, uh, and I, I said, a what? And she said, a spacemaker. You know, they're going to put a spacemaker in, and, and, and he's got to have that. And I said, well, I'll pray, amen. And we'll just pray God makes more space. That's, that's what needs to happen. <laughs> but uh, you pray for my dad. He's got to get his pace right on uh, Friday, and everything will go well. You know, you, your church, like my church, you, you got all kind of folks in it. And uh, we do. We, we got all kind of people in our fellowship, and you too. But, but you know, when you boil it down, there's really only three kinds of people that come to church. And Paul said there were really only three kinds of people that came to church in Corinth. And tonight, I just want to outline those three people and challenge you. Now, when I get to the end of this message tonight, some of you are not going to think I'm a Baptist. All right? But I am. From my radiator to my tail light, I am a Baptist, all right? Uh, I want you to understand that. But uh, there are some things that Baptists miss. Uh, people ask me all the time. They say, are you a Calvinist? I said, no, I'm a Baptist. And that's my answer, and I'm not being funny. I, I mean, that's who I am. Uh, that, that's my parameter. That's where I grew up and I've already had one or two of you say to me this week, everywhere I go preach, they say, well, you know, you could be a Pentecostal. I said, well, I am. I, Acts 2's in my book. <laughs> and so, but I'm a Baptist. But I'm going to ask some of you tonight to ask the Holy Spirit 
to fill you. The Bible says that we ought to ask for the Spirit. And some of us have not because we've asked not. And we need to ask God to fill. I, I prayed tonight, God, fill me. Uh, several years ago, I asked Dr. Adrian Rogers, I said, what do you do before you go out to preach? And he said, well, Ted, I, I do three things. Right before I walk out, I, before I go to church, and I do this every time, uh, Brother Mike. Adrian said to, so I knew I was supposed to. <laughs> and uh, he said, the first thing I do is I put my hands up like this right here. And he said, just by myself, I just praise the Lord. He said, I, I just give him praise. And so that's what I do. Man, I spent some time this afternoon just praising God for what he did in here last night and what, how he's refreshed my soul for me. And I just blessed him, praised him for the good things that uh, he has done. And Adrian said, I move my hands out right like this. And I said, Lord, I die to Adrian. I die to myself. So that's what I do. I just come and I say, Lord, crucified. I am dead to myself. I die to me. I die to my sermon. I die to my plan. I, I die to what I want to do. And then he said, I move my hands right here like this. And I say, Lord, on the authority of 1 John 2, 27, I, I thank you that I have an unction, I have an anointing, and I receive your anointing for the preaching of the gospel this night. And I'm going to ask some of you tonight, when we get to this invitation, you're going to walk right down here, get in this altar, and just lift your hands this way and say, Lord, fill me, fill me. Fill me. I, I'm not going to ask you to speak in, in a language you don't know. I do not believe that to be uh, the evidence of speaking in, in, in or knowing the anointing of God is the evidence by speaking in an unknown tongue. I'll tell you what the evidence is in Ephesians 5. It's being able to discipline the tongue you got. That's what Ephesians 5 says. Uh, it's not going to cause you to run, jump over a pew. I'm not, not going to ask you to roll in the floor. I'm not, I'm not going to ask somebody to lay hands on you and, and knock you out. I, I, I've been there. I, see, I'm from Pensacola, and I, I know about the Brownsville Assembly of God. and uh, the, They are my friends. My church is full of those folks that came over there at meeting. I came to Calera, Alabama as a 17-year-old kid to the National Guard Armory, the full gospel businessmen's meeting. Because my church is dead as a hammer, where I grew up. And I went to that Pentecostal meeting and I thought, well, maybe they got something I need. And I went down there and, and they prayed. They, they had a glory train that night, Brother Rick. And, and all the people, they got in a big line and they held on to each other and they marched around the building at Clear and National Guard Armory singing. And they, they were just having a big time. And one lady, a, a rather large lady, got slain in the spirit at the back door. Nobody could get out nor come in. And, and she laid right across that door. It's the truth. I mean, she was right there. You couldn't get out if you wanted out. And, and, I, and I began to watch that. And, and, and so I, I saw them. They, they'd pray open. And my friend, I love Pentecostal people. They're my friends. I'm telling you. We need a whole lot of what they got. And they need a bunch of what we got. Amen. They keep getting saved over and over over there. But I, I got saved once. That's all it took. And so I'd watch them and they'd lay, and, and these people would fall out. But I noticed when they would fall that somebody would come behind them and catch them and lay them down. Now, I was just a kid, but I scratched my head. I said, now, I don't understand that. If God can knock you down, he can lay you down. Yeah, it just didn't make sense to me. I, I'm, I'm not the 
sharpest knife in the drawer, but I, I got sense. And, and then there's another guy over here, and he came for the ladies with a blanket. And when the woman would fall, they'd catch her, but when she went back, her dress would come up, and they would cover her. And I'd say to myself, if God can knock you down, he can lay you down and he can keep you dressed down because he, he would not, the Holy Spirit would not create an unholy situation. I'm just being honest. I couldn't figure that out. And then I got to know some of them and I found that the people that were hitting the floor, they had the same difficulty going out the door that I had when I got out there. They had to learn to walk in the discipline of the Holy Spirit and they had the same temptation I had. It's not about falling out. It's not about how high you jump or how far you run. It, it's how you walk when you hit the ground. That's what it's all about. It's about the discipline life of the holiness of God that Brother Rick talked about. in this. There's only three kinds of people in this church tonight and I want to enumerate those three and there's only three kinds of people found in the book in Corinth and we're going to look at those tonight so let's jump right in and let me just show you those three things and then let's deal with God tonight and let's ask God to fill us and take us where we need to go first Corinthians 2 beginning in verse 14 Paul said and if you go through the first 13 verses he just talks about the spirit of and power in verse number four he talks about living and revealed through the spirit in verse number 10 he talks about the spirit of God in verse number 11 he talks being taught of the spirit in verse number 13 and then he says in verse 14 but but a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God for their foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised but he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? I mean, who knows more than God to tell God? But we have the mind of Christ. Now keep reading. This chapter break is not in a good place. You understand that there are no chapters and verses when the Bible's written. You, you know that. Your pastor's taught you that, all right? But it's there, so I can say to you, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in a certain verse, and you can find the place. And so people have put Scripture together there for us. But sometimes they put the breaks in bad places. And here's one up. So just go on to verse 17 of chapter 2. All right? And we're not taking away from the Word of God. Don't get nervous, all right? We're just a numerical deal. Chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field, you are God's building. Three people are outlined in this text. Number one is found in chapter 2 and verse 14, the natural man. There are natural men that are in this room tonight. 
These are lost people. These are people that are without Christ. The Greek word there is soukakos. We, we get our word psychology out of this word. This is the man who, who is living in his own soul. He rejects the things of the Spirit of God. He does not understand spiritual things. You see this on television. You go and turn on Fox News tonight and you'll find natural men. Go to CNN, you'll find natural men. Go to MSNBC and you'll love to find anything. But I'm telling you, they cannot spiritually appraise that. You see, all they can do is look at our world on a natural level. You can't understand our world just looking at it on a natural level. You have to come with another dimension to see this world and understand it. But the natural man just sees this world. Jude 19, the 19th verse of Jude says, the natural man is worldly minded. He is devoid, devoid of the Spirit. He's empty of the Spirit. 2 Timothy 2.26 says about the natural man, he has been caught in the devil's snare, held captive to do Satan's will. This man sings the song, I am the captain of my ship, I am the master of my soul. This is simply a lost man. Jesus came to die for you if you're a natural man lost tonight. If you've never been birthed by the Spirit of God and you are lost in this room tonight, you can be saved if you'd trust Jesus. Jesus came and died for you. I, on the way home last night, I, I made a, a call, called to my daughter, and I said, how you doing? And she said, oh, we're having a great night. And I said, well, how, what's going on? And she said, well, Brad, that's her husband and my son-in-law and a new deacon in our church, said, well, Brad went out on visitation tonight, Dad, and he had such a great time. He and Brother Crawford, who's an older deacon uh, in, in our church, uh, they go every other Monday night, and uh, Brad and Crawford knocked on the door of a lost man, went in, shared the gospel, and said that Brad got to lead that man to Christ last night. So my son-in-law did great work, second greatest work he's ever done in his life. He did last night. He married my daughter first, and then he led this man to faith in the Lord. It was great. But Brad's a soul winner, and he goes out knocking on doors. You know I'm kidding that uh, the most important thing you could ever do is lead a man to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, oh, that's great. She said, oh, he's so excited. He said, he's going to the bookstore in the morning and going to buy him a Bible. This guy doesn't have a Bible, and he's going by there after work on uh, Tuesday afternoon. He's going to take this guy a Bible and begin to work with him and train him up and grow him up and, and just show him how to, how to know the Lord. This was a natural man that got born again. Brother Rick, in that song, tried to get you to say, I remember, I, rem I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember the day he called my name. How many of you got saved before you was 15 years old in here tonight? Just raise your hand. Before you was 15. Amen. How many of you got saved from 15 to 25 in here tonight? Amen. Amen. 25 to 35. See the hands get smaller? 35 and above. You think we ought to be reaching teenagers and children with the gospel? That's when most people get saved. You, you'll see that in every church you go in. But I remember the day, I was 10 years old, and I came, gave my heart and life to Christ. My daddy was 25 and he got saved. My granddaddy was 65 when he came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it was a great night when that natural man said yes to Jesus Christ. You sit here tonight without Jesus, you, you're a natural man. Secondly, though, this text says that there are fleshly, fleshly men. Notice it uh, in, in chapter 3 and verse 1. Brethren, I could not speak to you as to spiritual men. That's the third kind we're going to talk about in a moment. But as to men of flesh, 
flesh. Now, this word is sarkikos. The word sark is the word for flesh. That we are fleshly men, infants in Christ, he said in chapter 3, verse 1. I can only give you milk to drink, not solid food. You are not able to receive it. Indeed, you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. Jealousy and strife, there's bickering and fighting. Are you not flesh? You're just walking like fleshly men. I believe good men are killing the church tonight. Good men. Not godless men, good men. The Bible said about Barnabas in chapter 11 of Acts, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of faith. In the churches that I know most about, most of the men are good men. And that's where we stop. Good men are killing the church. They must be good men, thank God for that, but then full of the Spirit and full of... You see, good men cannot see spiritual things and good men that stop there in the flesh cannot believe God for great things unless they're full of the Spirit and full of faith. All they can do is walk on a natural level. The only thing they know is that they've prayed a prayer, they've asked Jesus to come in their life, they believe they're going to heaven, but they have no spiritual discernment within their life. These men are killing the church. These women are killing the church. They are infants on the milk of the word. They're insecure with jealousy and strife. They, they, they think when they go to a football game and they see the guys get in the huddle, they think everybody in there is talking about them. That's how insecure they are. They look and say, oh man, it's all about the Friend, when you become mature, it's not about you. It's about him and it's about others. Then it becomes about you. But when it's all about you, 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 me, 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 mine, 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 let me tell you, you are fleshly and man-centered people are killing the church. The flesh can only take shelter in the darkness. That's why people of the flesh avoid this book. They don't want any light in their life. The flesh runs to the darkness. The gospel light is no friend to the flesh. Now, I want you to know, I, there's, there's grade A and grade B and grade C flesh in the church. Grade A flesh are some of our greatest minds. They're not full of the Spirit and their faith, but they're just good people. They're grade A flesh. That was my greatest problem. In many places in my life, I'm grade A flesh. I've never been drunk. I never smoked three or four times. If I was going to smoke, I'd smoke a Swisher Sweet cigar. I, I love a cigar. When I was a kid, I used to sneak around the back of my mama's store. I chewed tobacco one time. She let me have it. Hornet twist. Hot. And she made me chew it while I played baseball, and I swallowed it. And, and I puke green, I'm, I'm telling you. I, I, oh, Lord. But I just, I've just never done alcohol, drugs. It's just never been a part of my life. Tobacco, you know. Uh, the only vice I really had that it took the Spirit of God that, uh, to get through was, was my language. And I learned that through athletics. They teach you where you make up words, you know. And, uh, uh, I still falter with that every now and then. Uh, but I have grade A flesh. I'm just here to tell you, I, I can do some pretty cool stuff without God. It's what's killing our churches. 
Did you just think if, if the Holy Ghost ever got in all this? Oh, my soul. It'd be amazing. I mean, look around. You can build all of this and never pray. You, you can. Because there are people good enough to do the physicality of the church. You can build a building. You can fill a building in the flesh. But you cannot change a heart in the flesh. But we walk in it. In the flesh. In our circles. If we're not careful. But here's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Not natural men. Not fleshly men. But he says in chapter 3 in verse number 1. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Brethren, I could not speak to you as to what kind of men? Spiritual men. Look back up in chapter 2, verse 15. But he who is spiritual, pneumatikos is that word. Pneuma is the spirit. He who is spiritual appraises all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. They have the mind of Christ. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now listen to me tonight, church. And just, just listen for, just try to grab hold with me. When the Spirit of God comes to your heart, Dr. Roy Fish taught me this, he taught Rick Stone this. When the Holy Spirit of God comes to you, you will respond in one of four ways when the Spirit of God speaks to your heart. Number one, you can quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench not the Holy Spirit. That's when God is doing something good and we squelch it. We'll quench the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the Bible says not only can you quench, but you can grieve the Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians 4 and verse 30. When we do something that God does not agree with, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When sin rises in our life, I mean, it doesn't have to, I mean, you don't have to run off with the wrong woman. You just have to look at the wrong woman. When you grieve the Holy Spirit, your children ever grieved you? Some of you have a burden tonight. Your children are living a life that grieves you. Children, your parents ever grieve you? Oh, yeah. I, I'm talking about when they do something that doesn't agree with what God says. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Acts 7.51 says you can resist the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some people that teach today you can't resist the Holy Spirit, but Paul disagreed. In Acts 7.51, they were resisting the Holy Spirit. This is when you will not deal with the sin in your life that the Holy Spirit convicts you of, and you simply say, mm-mm, no. I, I'm amazed, Brother Mike, at, at the divorce rate in the church. Of, of, I'm talking about people, and there's some folks that, you know, when they get divorced, I'm just thinking, well, I, you know, that doesn't shock me. I mean, really, you just watch it and you think, you know, I'd have left him a long time ago. I mean, you know, you, that's just in the flesh. It's just the way you think. But then you have these folks, and I mean, they're, they're just involved. They're in the choir. They're singing. They're praying. They're they deacon. They, they, you know, and all of a sudden, and they've been sitting there listening to me preach. Now, I mean, I'm not the best guy in the world, but I mean, I, I opened the book. And, and they just sit there under the teaching of the Word of God of this dear man and other preachers. You know what they do? 
One of your staffers told me tonight, he, he went to see a man this afternoon, he's on his deathbed, and asked him about the gospel, and the man just said, no, I'm not ready for that. If God doesn't give him grace, he'll die before the week's out, what this gentleman told me. Some of you may sit here and not the Spirit of God comes to your heart. You resist. See on the back of your pew, that, that wooden part going across there? I, I've built a few church buildings, so I know that's called a cap rail on the back of your pew. That's, that's what the pew people call it. I call it a handle to hang on to resist the Holy Ghost is what people use that for. <laughs> they grab hold of that. You see them. You couldn't pry them out of there. They resist. You'll either grieve him, quench him, resist him, or you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled. Ephesians 5.18, the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine. Now, we could preach for a while on that. But be pluruo. That's the word. Be pluruo. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to me. Uh, all of you uh, English teachers that are here and all of you that's been to seminary, I, I want you to know that I've been. I've been to school. I've been to all the school Southern Baptist got, so I, I want to just be in the flesh for a minute, okay? I want you to know about, because you can't understand being filled with the Spirit till you understand the background of this verb and participle. Be filled. Now, get this. It is present, passive, imperative, plural. What's that mean? Present. That means you are constantly being filled. It doesn't mean just one time. It means you are filled continuously. Present action. You're filled now. You're filled tonight. You're filled when you get up in the morning. You're yielding to God. You walk in yieldedness to the Father. And it must begin somewhere and it must begin now, presently. Some of you need to get out of the pew in just a moment. Walk right here. Kneel. Confess your sin and say, oh God, fill me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. It is present, but it is passive. It's not active. Now, all of you English teachers know that if it's active, that the subject, when it is active, is acting upon something. But when it's passive, there is an object that is acting on the subject. That is the case here. You can't fill yourself. He does not say, you fill yourself with the Spirit. He says, be filled passive. Something, that something is God Himself. And He acts upon us. And when we surrender ourselves, He floods us. And He fills us. And He comes into us to be Lord of all. It is present. It is passive. It's imperative. This is not a suggestion. This is the command of God. Be ye fit. But fourthly, it's plural. This is where most Baptists miss it. Most Baptists think be filled singular and it means just the preacher. No, it's plural. It's for all. It's for everybody. Even the singer needs this, Brother Rick. Amen? Yes, sir. Yeah. You see, it's, it's, most of us think it's a spectator. We just pray, oh, God, fill my preacher. I'm telling you, your pastor will preach better if you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You'll listen better. Amen. And people that just listen because they're attuned to the things of God because they've yielded themselves to the Father. Be ye filled, with the Spirit of the living 
God. Friend, I want you to know, being filled with the Spirit is not putting more gas in your tank. It's putting a, a new driver at the wheel. That's, that's what being filled with the Spirit of God is. It's, it's not that you get something. I'm you, when you get saved, you get all of the Spirit of God. But there comes a time yielded in your life. Now, I don't understand this, and if I mess up, your pastor will have to fix this for you, all right? But, but I've watched this biblically as well as experientially, and if you get saved when you're 9, 10, 11, 12 years of age, when you, like I did, when you get saved when, when you're just a kid, I believe there comes a time in your life when you have to make an adult decision for Christ. I didn't say get saved over, I, I, I don't mean that. But I mean you just simply are growing and, and there comes a time when, when there is an adult identification that needs to be made with the things of God. You call it rededication. Some people call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't use that phrase. It's not a Bible phrase. Uh, that's what R.A. Torrey called it. Uh, when I go back and look at Spurgeon's life. I look at Wesley's life. Uh, I go back and uh, look at uh, the great preacher from Chicago, Moody. He's walking down the road one day. Any of you ever been to Wall Street? You go to Wall Street, that, that's where Moody got it. He, he's walking down Wall Street one day, and uh, the Spirit of God just spoke to him. He was going to catch a... a, a a freight uh, a ship uh, going to England, and the Spirit of God spoke to his heart, and he went up to a third floor flat that one of his friends had on Wall Street, and Spur uh, Moody went in, and he just began to cry, Oh God, I yield my life, I yield my life unto you, I give you my life. He said, I stayed all afternoon. He said, I finally stopped and said, God, no more, no more, no more. God, done, God did something revolutionary in his life. See, we're afraid of, of that that comes with wildfire, and it does. It becomes so extemporaneous, and, and we have to deal with that. We have to discern. See, the Bible says, you read that in, in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16, ye that are spiritual will discern. You're discerned by knowing, but you appraise what is of God and what is not of God. Favorite, if you ask these young people, I guarantee you their favorite verse is, judge not. That's a favorite verse of the young culture. Judge not. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. Yes, judge. Yes, judge. When Jesus said judge not, he was saying do not put people down. That's what he was saying. Put your foot on them. And, and, but I'm telling you, all through, you have to judge. You have to discern. And only the Spirit of God can do that. You walk into a restaurant after this meeting tonight, as I will somewhere, and there'll be a waitress that'll come up and you'll talk with them. And in your heart of hearts, you have to discern, what should I speak to them? How, how what do I say? Is it time to make a witness or back off or, or whatever? When you elect deacons, you don't look for the biggest giver. You look for the guy full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you look for a new staffer, discern the things of God. Boy, if our church has ever got to the place where we were discerning what God wanted to, oh, filled, filled. Saved at 10. I was 17 when this truth came to my life for the first time. I told you about it a little bit last night over at Southeastern Bible College. But I went home. And I knelt down next to the bed. It's still there. I went by the bedroom today when I was at mom and daddy's house. 
It's, it's that one, it's in the back room where nobody sleeps now. You got that room? Oh, if all the kids are gone. And, and there's a bed there, and, and if you lie down in it, you'll roll to the middle. <laughs> it's that 35-year-old mattress, you know, and you know, you're going in. You can't sleep on the edge. That's the bed. And I, I knelt right there when I was a 17-year-old boy. And I said this. I said, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll give up anybody. I'll give up anything to be in the center of your will. I, that was my sanctification prayer. That was my surrender prayer. That was my adult-minded prayer. Now, before you think I was real spiritual, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I never had been anywhere. <laughs> Lord, I'll do anything. I never had done that. Lord, I'll give up anything. I mean, I'm 17 years old. Lord, I'll give up anybody. I did find out that that included who you dated. But now I fast forward and I'm 58. Now I get on my knees this morning. I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere. Does that mean if a pulpit committee or somebody calls me next week that I'm willing to leave my church where I've been for nearly 22 years? Lord, I'll go anywhere. Lord, I'd do anything. Really? Lord, I'd give up anybody. As long as it's not my new grandchild. Lord, 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 one of my kids that wants to go. Lord, I give up anything. Oh, my Lord. My season football ticket. It's just surrender. And when God gets us there, revival's right around the corner. Because it's coming like a mighty rushing. I got up off my knees. I didn't feel any different. But it was different. Because when those things then started coming at my life, I'd say, okay, Lord, I'm yours. That's not even my choice. So I'm living in a house... God wants me to sell it. I said, Lord, that's your house. We sold it. My wife says, because I want to live in the country. And she said, okay, I'll, I'll go wherever you want to go because you're the head of the home and I'll submit to that. that. That part's still in the book. And ladies, if you think submission's hard, you ought to move up there to that headship issue. You got to die up there. You just have to submit in the ladies' post. You got to be willing to die if you're going to lead. So God opens a door and we move in a little old house, old country house, not a plumb wall in it. We just love where we live. And you, you can't mess up anything. It's already messed up. <laughs> I just love it. We're close to the church. God's put us right in the middle of a mission field. Man, it's an oasis for me. God knew exactly what he was doing. I mean, do you know how smart God is?
Did, did you read that text where it said that you could teach God anything? Some of us think we're smarter than He. But we're to have the mind of Christ. Well, this I, I've really wrestled with today. Do we have a service like we had last night and you come back tonight and, and you think, well, what's God going to do tonight? And I didn't know, but it, it's the surrender message and, and I'm telling you, it's, it's the need of the hour of the church. There, there's so many good men here, but we need men not just good, filled with the Spirit, full of faith. Surrendered. I won't quit with this and then Brother Rick's going to come. My son-in-law that led that man to Christ. He came to see me a few years ago and he was ready to marry my Rachel. So he came in, he's sweating. And Liz asked me, he said, I think he was scared. I said, bless God, he better be. <laughs> I don't know, Brother Mike, I bet you I have people tell me, say, well, you know, Pastor, you're hard to talk. People scared of you. I said, well, what's wrong with that? I, I kind of like that. I mean, I, you know, it keeps a lot of the flies away. I mean, it's good. <laughs> but you're just who you are. I mean, that, but old Brad came and he sat down and boy, a big old sweat popped out on his forehead. And he said, Pastor, I said, yeah. He said, I need to talk to you not as my pastor, but as Rachel's daddy for a minute. I said, all right. He said, I want you to know I, I love your daughter with all my heart. I love her. And I'll lay down my life for her. And I'm asking you if I can marry her. I said, well, son, there's only one question, and that is if, if she says, if she has said yes, I just want to know, where are you with Jesus? That's the only question I got. He said, well, Pastor, you know, I went off to school. and He said, when I got off to school, he said, I'd come home. And he said, I, I had an issue. And, and we began to talk about that. And there's no need for me to flesh that out. It'd be more personal than I want to talk about. But it was, it was tough. And I said, are you finished there? I said, if, if we got in victory. And he said, Pastor, I'm telling you, I have surrendered. And there has been a breakthrough in my life where Jesus is so king that that is gone out of my life. And I pledge to you that I'm clean before God. So when I got ready to do the wedding, you know, it's, it's tough on preachers to marry their own daughter because you don't know if you're back, supposed to be back there or up here. <laughs> so I did both. I came out with Brad, and then I told him, I said, out of Genesis 2, the Bible says that God went to get Adam's bride and brought her. And I said, I'm going to get your bride. And I handed him my Bible and I went down the aisle and I went and got her. And when I got down to the front, one of our associates diddled and I stood and I had in my pocket a little locket and I took it out and I said, Brad, now you told me this. And I said, there's a, a heart locket and there's two dates on there. Rachel's only loved two men. The one is the date when she trusted Jesus. That's the first man she ever loved. You turn it over, it's today's date, and she loves you. And this heart locket I want to give to you to give to her, and I'm asking you never 
to break her heart. And if you do, <laughs> I'm coming after that locket, what I tell you. <laughs> See, old Brad, my son-in-law, he, he got full of the Holy Ghost of God. Amen. That's the best kind of son-in-law you can have. One full of Jesus. He cries out to God and prays. Well, I told you he's a soul winner. Went last night and led a man to Christ. Taking that Bible today. Now let me tell you, if God can use Brad, he can use anybody in this room. That, that you, you, couldn't, you couldn't pay him enough money to walk on this stage. He will not speak a word in public. Sometimes when I'm just feeling mean, I call on him to pray in church. And <laughs> just, you know? He can't stand it, Brother Mike. But he'll come do it. But what, what I'm telling you, if he can use, if he can use bread, he'll use you. You see, the key is this. Lord, I, I'm yours. I'm yours. I watched it in my daddy today. He's 87 years old. We sat at the table and, and, and he's got a partner that in his business and, and he said, you know, Jim, and he talked about, he said, you know, Jim just turned 70 and, and we don't know about his soul, but he said, you know, he's talking more about Jesus. And, and dad's just saying, I'm, I'm just praying that we get a breakthrough in, in Jim's life. He's my daddy. It's just a guy took his GED. This guy went off to war before he's out of high school. It's, this is a guy that just built an old business and made a bucket full of money and put his kid through school and took great care. It's just a man's man broken before God. Standing and looking at his daughter, his, his daughter-in-law at that wedding and saying, Rachel, there's just one thing you need to do. Make Jesus Lord and it'll all be fine. I'm telling you tonight, if you'll make Jesus Lord, it will be fine. Here's my question. Are you a natural man a fleshly man or a spiritual man. If you are not filled with the Spirit of God this very minute, I implore you, come running and crying out, Oh God, I confess my sin. Fill me, fill me, fill me with the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name you'll do a work among us. Lord, draw young men, young women, Draw senior saints, and God, break through in our heart tonight. Lord, if there's a natural man here that needs to be saved, I, I pray God you'd save them. God, for that one that needs Jesus, I pray they come. I pray, God, you'll give us a breakthrough in the lives of good people to become spiritual people this very night. In Jesus' honored name we pray. I want to ask you just to stand with me and as we stand as pastors at the front some already here in the altar the call of God's in this room you know what the invitation is if it's God's call in your heart tonight you come Bob.